As a child, when you thought of America, you thought of the Texas Plains and Cowboys. But as a teenager, when you first traveled to America, your destination was Alaska. And instead of life in the Wild West, you found yourself in the snow, hugging trees. Literally, hugging trees. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. If you want to make a change, if you want to do something differently, if you want to create something new, then you inevitably have to make mistakes. So if you change your perception towards failure, maybe you're just going to get there faster. This week, finishing a Nordic marathon, finding the fun in volunteering, and did we mention hugging trees? Join us on our journey from Sarajevo, Bosnia, Herzegovina to Anchorage, Alaska, and learning from one's mistakes. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And That's what we call cultural exchange. My name is Neira Rizvanovic. I'm from Sarajevo, from Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's a country, a little heart-shaped country in the southeast of Europe. In my spare time, I study. I'm a master's student of cognitive science at the University of Vienna. So the name of the program that I went abroad with is YES, Youth Exchange and Study. I was in Anchorage, Alaska. So I remember sitting in in my English class in high school in Sarajevo and uh, one person just came in to spread around the announcement that you know if you want to if you want to join this program at the moment I had no idea what it was. So it was established in that year in Bosnia and Herzegovina we were actually the pioneers of the program and that's how I went. I went to the first round. I called up my friend and I said, "Hey, you want to join for this? Maybe we'll I don't know, we'll get a chance. Let's just see how it goes. We managed to go through the first round, second one, and the third one. And then both of us were finalists of the program. So we were chosen to go to the U.S. We could actually um, list our first three options or the three options that we would like to go to. As far as I remember, Texas was one of them. So I had always wanted to, you know, <laughs> see the, well, I had the image of the U.S., of these cowboys um, saying howdy all the time. And basically what I got was the opposite of that. <laughs> But um, I can say that I really loved my experience. So I would have, I would go for Alaska anytime. beginning I was really excited to go but then once I was on a plane from Seattle to Anchorage it started to get to me when I saw a mountain range you know below that's quite particular to Alaska I was quite I was scared and shivering but I was always interested in going abroad I loved languages and I started you know 
picking up English through movies and books. So I would say that language was a very good link for me not to feel so foreign in a country. It made me bond faster with my host family. And they were really amazing. They waited for me at the airport, you know. Um, and even though I thought it was going to be really foreign and really scary, they were just so welcoming, waiting for me with a bouquet of flowers um, and a welcome sign with the Bosnian flag um, drawn on it. As a part of our program, we have a pre-departure orientation. And one thing I remember they said was that Americans have their privacy bubble. So don't really get too close or don't just get, you know, all huggy and, and feely, touchy-feely. I didn't get that feeling. I think Americans were quite friendly and open in the beginning. They're always ready to engage you in conversation. But uh, getting there, getting to the point where you actually feel that, you know, really strong or really deep bonds, it takes time. In Central Europe, I would say, people are more reserved in the beginning, but um, yeah, you get there more easy, more easily, yeah. What I, what was most striking for me in the first few months is the difference in pace in life. In Alaska, everybody was, um, you know, on a schedule. If you wanted to meet up with friends, you had to tell them two weeks in advance. And something that I really liked about Bosnia is that um, if you're just walking in the street and you have something to share with your friends, you just call them up and you say, hey, I'm here um, in the hood and um, let's just go for a cup of coffee. And a cup of coffee can mean many different things. You know, you just, um, it can mean an actual cup of coffee up to, you know, having a therapy session because you had something to share. And that's sort of um, something that everyone knows in Bosnia. And then you just go and, and talk for hours. And in the end, you just, you end up drinking tea. So this is something that I try to, you know, um, kind of promote in the US within, within my host family, just to go slowly and um, yeah, take our time and really be present. I was thinking whether I should join the ski team in, in Anchorage uh, because, you know, living in Alaska, you have six to seven months of winter. And if you want to survive the winter, you have to ski, basically. As a final um, roundup of the year, we had our little competition, or uh, it was called the Tour of Anchorage. So I did the, the half marathon, and I actually pulled through. So, I mean, um, I, I made it to the finish line. And I remember being exhausted, but, yeah, super, super proud. And my parents were also, my host parents were super proud. So that was cool. <laughs> I remember uh, during our ski practice, we were divided in a couple of groups and we had our instructors with us. But then um, I just started noticing commotion and then instructors yelling, um, hide behind a tree, because apparently there were two moose on the road, uh, a calf and a, yeah, mammoose, a cow, I guess. So um, apparently it was really, really dangerous uh, when there was a calf around there since the mother would be, you know, worried, possibly attack. So they've instructed us before that to just hide behind the tree and you have to literally hug a tree 
um, because um, the moose can't differentiate between a tree and a person. So that's the that's the way to keep safe. And I remember, oh God, hugging that tree, <laughs> just thinking, uh, I, I don't think I will be, I will ever be able to explain this to 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 friends or family back home. A lot of people back home in Bosnia are, you know, a smart bunch of people. They have big ideas, but they don't feel like they are, I don't know, they don't have the necessary support of the government, so they just give up and they don't do anything. But in the U.S., um, I kind of saw the value of community spirit and community service. So if you just, you don't really need money to do anything. You just, you know, kind of gather a bunch of people and you do something. You know, I don't know, you organize a food drive, you clean uh, a certain part of the street or so on. And this is something actually that's that's a big part of the program of something that I do back home. We regularly organize, you know, orphanage donations, food drives, um, cleanups, and so on. So that's something that I that I really liked and I tried to incorporate in not just my habits, but my mentality as well. So how, how I go about problems that I see around me. So I remember doing a week-long cleanup in Alaska, at the Gulf of Alaska, an area called Prince William Sound, which was affected by the oil spill and, you know, like um, the very many ships and boats sailing through there, leaving a lot of marine debris that threatens the marine life of Alaska. And I remember just going there with a group of people and um, spending a week there. And we, in the end, we collected over 30 bags of trash um, of different things. And this was I don't know, in itself, it was very rewarding. We had fun along the way, but it was, you know, oh, we can actually make a difference. I guess, well, after coming back home from the U.S., I, I started studying. But after a semester and a half, I really wasn't really happy with with the with how the educational system was in Bosnia and so on and uh, I appreciated my experience back in the US because there was really this this opportunity for dialogue in the classroom it's not really hierarchical you have the professor and the student on eye level and they're discussing and exchanging ideas and something cool comes out of it and also I enjoyed working in international groups so I decided that I that I wanted to experience that again and I went over to Vienna and then I started studying cognitive science which is 25 of us from all over the world. I think maybe even unconsciously my, my US experience kind of um, headed me in, in that direction and more importantly kind of gave me the, the, the social skills needed to thrive in such interdisciplinary or international groups which is not always an easy thing to do you know you have the the language barriers, the cultural barriers, and um, I was really, I, I learned how to communicate with different, with different groups of people. Mm -hmm. 
basically what I'm trying to explore is the topic of um, failure culture in different organizations. So trying to compare and contrast organizations that have a positive failure culture, so positive view towards committing mistakes versus ne a negative view towards mistakes, and see how that you know affects their decision-making skills, um, effectiveness as a group, and so on. I try to focus on, well, I try to do it in a hospital, basically, where mistakes inevitably happen. But maybe the way you look at failure determines whether you learn from it or not. And in turn, that would affect, you know, how how effective you are as a group, how well, how good of decisions you make, and so on. I'm not really sure what sparked that um, interest, but um, there is a lot of taboo towards making mistakes in Bosnia, I would say. Well, maybe not just in Bosnia, but um, it's quite mm, highlighted in Bosnia, so to say. So if you've made a mistake, don't talk about it, you know, especially professors who are the gods at university and, and they wouldn't be really willing to, um, to admit making mistakes. I remember I was always afraid of, of um, disappointing my host family because they were this active bunch of people who would do everything and they were so enthusiastic um, and excited to include me in their activities. So I remember one time they just said, oh, let's do this 20-mile um, ski trip over a frozen lake during Thanksgiving. And I really wanted to do it, but I was so terrified that I wouldn't be able to, that I'd be just slowing them down that I said no. But I didn't really tell them why not. You know, after a while, we just sat down and talked about it. And I said, I'm really afraid of doing this. And they said, you should have come to us. So this kind of, you know, not being afraid to say that you're afraid was... Uh, was a turning point to understanding how important open communication is and, and not being afraid of making mistakes and yeah. I was always interested in education, educational systems, and in trying out different methods of education. I think my long-term goal is um, to create, to found a kindergarten where I would try to teach kids uh, basically not just professional skills, but also social skills like resilience and grit and um, not being afraid of making mistakes, talking about it, trying to find a better way, trying to find um, a better way to fail, so to speak. It takes a lot of courage to do so, and courage has been, has proved um, pivotal in all of my experiences um, in the U.S. Just going to the U.S. was a courageous thing to do. And then later on going, studying in different parts of Europe and so on. So just kind of not being afraid of venturing out into the world and, and doing things, uh, doing doing good things. So um, I would like to go back to Bosnia, you know, once I've collected all of my ideas and uh, picked apart the the best the best things from all the educational systems that I had to compare and just try to model my own school after that and yeah
I, I see it as sort of a pay it forward principle. You know, you don't really, let's say um, your host family that volunteered to host you was giving something to you that you don't necessarily have to give back to them, but give to somebody else, you know, pay it forward. Um, so I, I remember through a lot of volunteer volunteering activities that we did back home, we encouraged a lot of students not to be afraid of going abroad, uh, being exposed to different, you know, um, people and cultures. And during our, during one um, program that we established called Yes to English, where we taught English to, to kids uh, in mostly um, from disadvantaged backgrounds, there was one girl that was visually disadvantaged and uh, but she was always very curious you know she wanted to go abroad and she wasn't deterred by the fact that she was blind um, so she ended up applying for the program and she um, she got in so i think that was that's something that i can put forward as as the most the most the nicest part of it somehow the the ripple effect and i'm sure that she also you know spread the word and that's yeah it just goes on. is produced by The Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of The Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week... Netta Rizvanovich described her time in Alaska as a Kennedy Luger Youth Exchange and Study, or YES, participant. For more about YES and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts, and heck, while you're at it, you might as well give us a nice review. And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. Special thanks to Neda for taking the time to talk to us this week. I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured music was Flagger, Outside the Terminal and Scalloped, all by Blue Dot Sessions and Backstairs by Poddington Bear. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. <laughs>